Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Let's begin with a real crucial conversation, one that has been years in the making, the 988 three-digit new suicide prevention lifeline number. It will launch this Saturday, but with the expected uptick in calls coming in, there is concern about staffing and funding. Are, are the states ready for this rollout beyond just what the federal government is doing. What work lies ahead? How do we make this a smooth transition? Most important, how do we make sure we continue the crucial conversation around suicide and mental health in our country? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're very pleased to have joining us on the program today, Megan Messerly, who's a healthcare reporter for Politico Pro. She obviously covers the healthcare policy in the states, which is a real important component to this. Uh, a fabulous piece. You should check it out on Politico. We've been covering for a long time the focus on this 988 number, uh, which, of course, is centered around mental health. And, uh, Megan, thanks for joining us. And this is a really important piece as we get to the launch date, uh, this long-anticipated, I think it was a five-year process to get this done. Uh, give us an update in terms of where we are, what people should expect as we roll into what sounds like a little bit more of a soft launch or a quiet launch uh, rather than a big one. That's exactly right. And that's how federal health officials are couching this uh, Saturday launch of 988. Just to give a little background, so 988 uh, will replace the existing, you know, 10-digit number right now that that still works and and folks can call it right now. Um, But we're now expecting states to make this transition to, to 988. But what's been a little bit different is there was sort of this anticipation that 988 would be, you know, launched with a little bit of fanfare. And instead, we're seeing, you know, federal health officials and then talking to state health officials around the country. Um, They really are treating it, as you said, as this soft launch. There are concerns about what the call volume will actually look like on Saturday Uh, Talking to call centers across the country, you know, they routinely see, you know, periods of spikes when uh, something is happening in the news, uh, when the um, national uh, suicide hotline number is shared currently, they see these spikes in calls and they say, 
you know, they're prepared to handle a little spike, but they're worried that they could just be flooded with calls and then people won't be able to receive uh, the in-state care they need, which is why we're seeing uh, folks be a little bit more quiet about this launch than maybe we perhaps expected going into this. Yeah, and this is such a a crucial thing, uh, really replacing that uh, 10-digit, as you said, uh, suicide hotline, these uh, crisis call centers uh, to be able to do. And, and obviously, this has taken some time on the federal level. And, and to some degree, I think the, the rollout shows how hard it is to do things from the national level uh, when you get it down to the states. Walk us through just a little bit. I loved in your reporting how you went down. There's obviously there's federal money available. And sometimes states don't always, you know, back up with the right resources, whatever they get from the federal government. Describe some of the challenges uh, that we're seeing as we look at how this rolls out. Yeah, one of the big challenges has been funding. You you hit it right on the head there. Um, You know, talking to state health officials, I mean, I think everyone agrees that this is a good idea, right? They want people uh, who are in crisis uh, to get the care that they need. So so there's no um, lack of commitment on the issue. But the problem is resources. So uh, when Congress uh, passed this legislation in fall 2020 uh, to create 988, uh, there was this language in the bill that essentially allowed states to impose a telecommunications fee uh, to fund the ongoing operations of 988. Um, currently, states fund their call centers in a number of different ways, but the goal was there for there to be a more steady funding stream moving forward. Of course, essentially, that fee is some call it an excise tax, essentially, and it's, you know, not easy to pass new taxes in many states. Um, And so, uh, you know, talking to a lot of uh, state health officials, there's great desire for there to be a permanent budget item in their state's budgets and a permanent funding stream. Uh, But they told me, hey, it's really hard to go to our legislature and say, um, you know, we need an 18 cent fee. We need a 24 cent fee to fund this program when they don't actually know what the demand is going to look like. And so in lieu of that, we've seen many states across the country um, give sort of one time dollars, you know, millions of dollars lump sums uh, to help their call centers get ready for the launch of 988. Um, but it's still just one time funding. And then the federal government as well has been supplementing those state dollars. Um, there was an initial uh, planning grant that was given out. And then uh, SAMHSA, which is the federal agency that oversees mental health, uh, they've also given out state dollars, uh, states additional sums to help with the launch of 988. So talking to folks, they, they feel ready ish based on the money they have right now, but they know for this to be a long term sustainable. Uh, program that they need that permanent funding stream. Yeah, and that is always the problem. The one-time money versus the ongoing uh, and raising fees or taxes or how, whatever you want to call them or package them as uh, gets harder as you as you move along. And this is such a crucial area relating to mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, we want to make sure people know that there are people out there to talk to. They're, they don't have to go at this alone. Uh, are there any other things that you're seeing or, or watching in your reporting, Megan, in, in terms of uh, making some of those things more permanent in terms of the ongoing and kind of getting a good assessment of how much need is there? How much is this going to be used? And, and how do we actually staff up? I know some places are, have been using volunteers, uh, some paid staff. What does that mix look like? Uh, how does that uh, proceed forward? Yeah, it really, states are really all across the board on this. And this is, um, you know, reflected if you look at 
state's uh, May in-state answer rates. You have at the very bottom, you know, Illinois only had uh, a very tiny answer rate at at 19 percent of in-state calls answered. So those calls are still getting answered by someone. They're just going to a a national backup center uh, out of state instead of being handled by folks in-state who really know how to provide uh, those resources. And then on the top end, you have Rhode Island at a 99 percent um, in-state answer rate. And that's largely a byproduct of the fact that, you know, states really have been um, running their crisis call lines in very different ways. I mean, they're often run by uh, nonprofits who know the community. Um, in some states like Nevada, uh, they're, uh, all, they've been previously an all-volunteer staff. They're only just now adding paid staff. Uh, there are other states like Pennsylvania that has 13 call centers. So it really runs the gamut. Um, but the challenge now is, is figuring out, okay, where have the gaps been with crisis call centers and where do you fill those in? So going back to Illinois for a second, you know, the information I got from state health officials there is they only had about a third of their counties um, being served by in-state call centers. The rest of the counties, there was no one picking up their calls. So those were all necessarily going out of state. And so that's what we've seen um, in this preparation for 988 is states really take a step back and say, okay, what is our capacity right now? Where are the holes? Are there geographic holes? Um, are we having issues with our um, answer rates because we have a volunteer staff and we need to pay folks uh, to come on so we can have a bigger workforce so we can make sure that we're picking up all those calls and not sending folks uh, out of state? And so that's really the process that we've seen over the last, you know, really year, year and a half as states have gotten ready for this. Um, but it's it's a long process. You know, some, some states have been working. I was talking to Mississippi, and since 2017, they got some federal dollars, and they've been working, you know, for the past now five years to boost their in-state calling answer rates. Uh, so they're doing much better than states that are just turning to this now. So it's really across the board, you know, all 50 states uh, are sort of in different situations, but, you know, they're all sort of crossing their, their fingers and toes, hoping that they're able to help as many people as they can once this 988 launch officially happens on Saturday. Yeah, and that's a, an important date. Saturday is the date that it turns over where you can use just the three digit. If you are having a mental health crisis or feeling su- suicidal thoughts, uh, 988 uh, we'll get you through to someone. Uh, Secretary Becerra was uh, very adamant in terms of saying it's not going to be a busy signal. Uh, we're not going to put you on hold. We're going to get you to someone. It may be someone out of state early on. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you just real quickly, Megan, is uh, is this is there a potential in this with some of those states that are doing well, that have been working on this for years, not months, uh, that they end up carrying a, a heavier burden of this rather than some of the states that maybe uh, are focusing priorities and, and tax dollars other places? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, the, the way the system currently works right now, and, you know, who knows if we'll see changes to this um, as, as, you know, this 988 system develops, but there are 15 um, call centers that serve as backups for other states. And so there's certain uh, financial incentives they get to be backup centers, you know, to do that extra kind of work. Um, you know, so, so those states, it's not like they're not getting, getting compensated for, for picking up those, those extra calls. But, you know, I think there is a long-term question about, you know, what this looks like. I mean, the goal of 988 
um, is for, you know, 90, 95, ideally as close to 100 percent of calls to be answered in state and talking to state health officials. That's just because, you know, if you're talking to someone in your own state, they're going to know the local resources better. They're going to have the connections. They're going to be able to connect you to services and someone who's halfway or entirely across the country. Um, And so the goal is to get there. So I I don't know if the states that are doing well um, are going to be any worse off. Um, But I think certainly they've, I know, been sharing uh, their lessons and sort of what's worked for them uh, with other states that are sort of toward the bottom of the rankings as we get ready for this launch of 988. Uh, Great reporting, great writing, uh, Megan Messerly uh, from Politico Pro. Uh, Megan, appreciate your perspective on this crucial conversation. And again, starting on Saturday, uh, you can dial 988 uh, and get that instant help uh, that you might need in a in a dark time or if your mind is in a dark place. And do not do it alone. Uh, reach out. Uh, there is someone there. And if you know someone uh, who is in that space, it's up to each of us to reach out as well. That's how we link arms and move forward together. Megan, thanks again so much for joining us. And again, great piece. And we'll continue to follow this as it rolls out and we see how the services play. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Again, starting Saturday, 988, three-digit number. Uh, On Thursday this week, we'll have Representative Chris Stewart, who uh, helped shepherd this through Congress over about a five-year period, uh, now seeing this come to fruition. He'll join us on Thursday to talk about it. And again, 988, if you're having a mental health crisis or are in need in any way, uh, starting Saturday, you can dial that number. Stay with us. Much more to come. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.